0: P-G-A Nation, we are back! It has been a while. I've missed you all. I'm excited for some more golf. We got the Sanderson Farms heading to Mississippi. And actually, I heard that this golf tournament is being sponsored by Brett Favre's Welfare Money. So, uh, we're in good... I'm sorry, that was a cheap shot. I apologize, uh, but... I'm excited to get back into the swing of things with golf. Spencer, how are you doing tonight?
1: I am doing well, Joel. It's exciting to get back going on this show. As you said, we've missed a couple weeks on it. But, uh, you know, these next two or three months, they're they're going to be interesting because, like, I I mentioned this on a show that I was on yesterday. I kind of would compare this to the preseason in football where you have a lot of new guys coming in. You're going to have a lot of stats on these Corn Fairy kids that – as time goes on, they'll normalize a little bit more. And there's some people that have better um, information when it comes to it than I do. Like I'm using PGA Tour stats. I don't try to run numbers from other tours just because I don't think it like quite equates in the direction that I want it to with it. But um, you know, that's something I would keep in mind when you are running your data. Is that some of these kids that played well at the Fortinet, you're going to get better grades on them and. The guys that missed the cut, you're going to see like a player like Justin Suh, who's going to drop down in a model if you're just using that one tournament. So uh, just keep that in mind as you do it. And I think it's going to be an exciting next
0: couple months as we figure all of this out. I think it's fair to say, like for me, I put just overall just less stock into the numbers because they're so early in the year. There's so many guys coming playing on different tours as like when it will be, you know, mid-season form and we have everyone in full field you put, you can put more into that because you kind of know those numbers are more. um, accurate. Yeah. I would agree with that. David, how are you doing tonight?
2: I am both good and frustrated, Joel, if I'm absolutely honest with you, I have to share with you guys that I've just found out about five minutes ago that one of the main bookmakers that I use has blocked me and restricted my account. So now well, I'm,
0: hold on. Don't mention their name. If they give you your account back, we'll mention it.
2: So I'm now getting slowly trimmed and trimmed in, in, places where I'm actually able to, to back this. And, um, I guess that means that I'm doing something right and I'm annoying them, which is always a good thing. So, um, look, you know, come over to win daily where we win so much money that the bookmakers won't even take our bets.
0: The goal is to get one of our subscribers banned, right? So that's our next goal. You guys let us know when you get kicked off a book, there'll be a big reward. I promise you
2: Uh, on the, uh, on the positive side, exciting news is that I'm in, I'm actually going to be in the United States on the ground next week for five days in Los Angeles uh, with family holiday. Off the back of that, this is how much of a sick golf fan I am. I am flying at 9.30 in the evening on the de- on the red eye to Las Vegas for 18 hours in Vegas to watch six hours of the Shriners Children's Open in Las Vegas. So anyone who's in Vegas at the time, wants to come to a PJ Tour event, hit me up, um, Twitter, Deep Dive Golf, send me a message. It would be great to, to meet some of you in person.
0: And obviously we're also sending you to do live scouting for the upcoming Exactly. Thursday. That's what yep. we do here. At purely PGA. in
2: town. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, as you guys have probably noticed, our trusted leader, c Najad, cannot make it tonight. He's getting the night off, but he will be back. He will be back soon uh, for our next draft guest, so no worries there. Now, for tonight, we're going to dive pretty quickly into the draft, but before we do so, as always, we will provide you with the best course breakdown in the industry. Spence, what are you looking for in the course this week? So I think I said this in my roto baller article, but
1: sometimes things are made more complicated than they need to be for an event. So sure. The metrics are frustrating from a handicapping perspective. When we look at totals that are six to 9% above expectation on a standard track with the flat stick, but the key to success likely comes down to have everyone performs on the four par fives and singular short par four that is under 350 yards, a staggering 59% of the projected production allotment comes on those five chances meaning 27% of the holes will account for nearly 60% of the winning score. When I started the week, I initially thought distance off the tee would be something that I would weigh extremely heavily since narrow fairways and non-penal roughs stuck out like a sore thumb. And for what it's worth, I did place more weight on it than accuracy when creating my total driving metric. But my model is really basic in the sense that I'm trying to define direct corollary points and mostly diminishing factors that were secondary so... I started my model with 30% on that short par four plus par five birdie or better combination. I don't need to discuss the importance of that again since I just did, but I wanted to find golfers that could perform on those five chances. Most players that couldn't had a hard time overcoming such a significant weight in my model. I placed 25% on a weighted recalculation of strokes gain total. I mostly stuck to historical trends of how scoring has been produced at the track, but 40% came from weighted Bermuda putting. That is as much as you will ever see from me. 30% was given to all proximity totals at the course over the last five years. 18% looked at the Ross principles that do provide some undulation to these greens. And then the final 12% was my total driving number. That total driving metric did take a 70-30 split of distance over accuracy. I did three strokes gain categories for 10% each. That would be strokes gain total at Easy Courses, strokes gain total at Donald Ross Designs, and then strokes gain total on Fast Bermuda. And then I wrapped it up with 15% on a weighted par 3 plus par 4 scoring. I looked at some of the more challenging holes in attached bogey avoidance numbers and took the more accessible chances and tried to account for the remaining 40% of where the scoring chances do occur. So it's essentially a course where five holes have most of the impact. And then putting shoots through the roof in scoring dispersion when comparing it to an
0: average venue. Well, there you have it. Uh, if you want to get an edge, that's where you start. Understand the course. Understand how to target golfers for this week. That's probably one that you will might want to rewind, play again, make sure you get all the information. Uh, but you're also going to want to see the draft and see who we're targeting, which we're going to dive into right now with, I guess it's not technically the first draft of the season, but it feels like it to me. So I'm, I'm pegging it. The first pick of the Sanderson Farms. Jeff Spencer, you are on the clock. I'm going to take
1: a very simple approach to this. I'm going to take the player that's the highest projected own golfer on the board at Sam Burns at 10,700. And Joel, this is something that you and I talk about quite frequently. And I think this is a really good example of that. I don't know what a proper price would be. Like my model thinks like, I run things more from a sports betting perspective than I do on DraftKings when I look at some of these numbers. So uh, essentially like the best way to put it would be Sam Burns is twice as likely in my model to win as the second person in it. And when we look at the pricing, like we just run it down the board, the goal is 10,400 JT Poston in 10,200 Henley, 10,100. Either we need one of two things here. We either need Sam Burns to be like 13,000 for us to get off of him, or it would have to be a 50% ownership mark, which I mean, that's an extreme example of it, but you would need something to where it's like, okay, there's no way I can get the Sam Burns. If we're looking in Burns is 20% in my model and You know, a guy like Henley or Post and they're going to be 15 to 16%. I'd rather just go to the player that does have twice the win equity that I can find. And he's kind of number one across the board in every single way that I looked at it from a statistical perspective. And I'm not worried about a President's Cup hangover with him. Uh, We saw Homa just go back to back recently. I wouldn't be surprised if Burns goes back to back. I don't think 10 to one is a conducive number when it comes to an outright ticket, but I don't have a problem with the 20% ownership with him. And there's enough ways I can get unique underneath.
0: Yeah, I agree. Again, he would have been my first pick. I don't think they priced him up. The biggest reason why also where I think that price being high doesn't matter is because maybe there's five guys. After that, I put everyone in a very similar – I mean, you drop down to this 7K range, and there's guys in here that I prefer over the 8K range. So you're getting into waters where you can pretty much play who you want, right? And so if you, if you think that Burns is the best golfer, it's a no-brainer to go get him. yeah. All right, David, you are on the clock.
2: Yeah, look, I I personally, I prefer probably a different build to this this week, simply because Burns is just so clearly the class of this field that I do think he does attract that really high ownership, and he also attracts a lot of salary cap as well. For me, it's at a level where he kind of, if he doesn't finish top three, I feel that it's a losing play. You know, I really, you know, I'm expecting expecting one of those top finishes or a win. And, and he very well may do it. I mean, he's obviously the class of the field, so I can obviously see that play. I agree with Spencer. I, I prefer him in DFS aspects rather than betting markets because he's just too short to back. Um, but, you know, for me, I'm, I'm going to go more of a balance build um, and I'm going to start with... Someone who is, I think, going to be quite chalky, but um, I think he's got a ton of upside, which is Taylor Montgomery. Um, I'm loving his um, distance off the tee. I'm loving his record so far. I mean, he's just come straight off the Common Tour and just made um, a, an amazing start um, to his PGA Tour career. I think that he's got massive upside. What, what I'm loving about his profile is that he's, he's long off the tee, but he's also making a lot of putts. We know that that's a great recipe for success at the Country Club of Jackson. Um, so happy to take him at, at these sort of prices.
1: Yeah, just a really quick thing to say to that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the space that I've noticed say that Montgomery gained 11 strokes with the flat stick at the Fortnite championship. If that's going to reduce the ownership, which I actually think it is, I think there's enough people that are giving that thought process. You know, if Montgomery's only going to be like 12, 13, 14% owned, I think he's arguably, you know, the second or third best win equity player in this field. So, Uh, I'm fine with that sort of a rebate. Then Montgomery was probably the person I was going to take on the way back if I was able to get him. So I I really like the pick.
0: I love it. I love it. Audience, you have the fourth pick. So after I select what is going to be obviously the best pick of the round, you guys will be up with two in a row. So feel free to start brainstorming your nominations, getting them in, because you will be getting two. We're going to need to have those picks seconded. So get that started for me, my pick was easy. Um, I love the way that this guy's finished last season. Yes, the last tournament he played in wasn't his best look. But before that, he was absolutely on fire. And I think he's going to carry some of that over into this season. That's Scott Stallings. Scott Stallings has been um, just on an absolute tear. He, he, he disappointed a bit um, uh, at the Tour Championship. Obviously, he lost almost 13 strokes on the perch. But that's an outlier, right? Obviously, if you look how he plays, that's not something he's going to do normally. He's had plenty of time to get right. And I think where he's going to ride some of that heater here into the beginning of the season in a field where he isn't one of the stronger players, I think in the field. All right. Audience, you are up. Unfortunately, Ivan Rom is not in the field. So that's not going to wait, even though I know I'm joking. Uh, he was Rom was very highly owned and he actually won that tournament in Mexico. And it was just kind of, I mean, not similar in the sense of like, he was by far the best player in the field. And it was kind of obvious that you should go play him. So I think there are some similarities that I don't think Burns will get up to 40 this week, but I do think he can creep above 20.
2: I think the thing for me, when I I look at the odds for him, right, like like in terms of like an implied probability of what, you know, like we we know now with PGA Tour, particularly I was speaking with um, a couple of the guys in the team. PGA Tour, the, the bookies are getting sharper and sharper in terms of pricing these markets right. And actually, there's a ton of opportunities over the DP World Tour, which you guys know I cover quite extensively because it does it is just a softer market now. I mean, in terms of implied odds, the, the bookmakers at 12 to 1 are giving Sam Burns an 8% chance of winning this tournament, right? So 8%, that's his, his win experience according to the bookmakers you know maybe it's 10 maybe it's 12 whatever but if it's in that range if we're getting a getting a golfer who's so expensive and so highly owned for me i'd rather just take that risk and then get more uh, more rounded sort of elsewhere um, and and differentiate myself I, I completely understand the play i completely understand where you guys are coming from in terms of taking them but um for me i'd just rather get different and um and take a more rounded build
1: if you could promise me, which I mean, there's no guarantee of this, if he was going to be like, let's just give a number here, 30% plus owned. Right. I would be more inclined to get off of him. It's just the way I see it, and maybe my numbers are wrong, and we kind of see that. And it, it's gonna be contest dependent also. I, I think that's one of like the main things to point out. I I you know, we'll see exactly which way it goes with it, but I mean, if he's anywhere between 20 to 25%, and like I'm not looking at anybody, I mean, maybe Montgomery, maybe Denny McCarthy would be like the two guys that have lesser ownership or you can cut it in half. And that's why I do like the Montgomery pick. I do think that you can create a little bit of leverage that way with it. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, like there's just a lot of players that are very close
0: in ownership and very close in price for me. That, that was at least my thought with it. And I would agree. At the end of the day, I think that, that decision tree basically comes down to what the final ownership is. I think at 20, I, I still feel comfortable. I think as you get closer to 30, it gets to be a little too much.
2: Yeah, I, I I suspect it probably ends up in that twenty-five to thirty, which is why I'm I'm avoiding that that spot. But I, I think it's the big decision that people are making this week in terms of their lineups so, of am I just going all in on Burns and relying on him to to finish top three, or am I kind of fading him and just willing to take that risk and, and I'm going one round and you guys are going on the other. We will you're assume. gonna need
1: fifty percent plus to get yep. overweight on the field. So that's exactly. something to keep in mind. Like don't play him at a flat percentage of what his projection no. is.
2: You you want like you know if you're playing ten lineups you want like three to four without Burns in it but then the rest you want to plug them in every single time yeah exactly
0: yes well we'll find out next week on who the right play was this there will be an answer but the audience your picks are in uh, and it looks like we're going with Detri and Jaeger uh, which I think are two really solid picks and at this point right in the draft obviously with Burns being the first pick that wasn't an option for anyone else so everyone else kind of has to go. Uh, balance because I don't really think there is a stars and scrubs approach after bird. So uh and th- while taking that approach, I think those are two solid plays there with your first picks for the audience.
2: Yep. I like I like both of those plays. I'm very happy with, with either of them. Um Dietrich I'll add that he's uh, he's been considered, I guess, a stud on the DP World Tour for some time. He's got a huge upside. I'll just add though that he's he has never won a tournament, um, including on the DP World Tour. So that's just worth noting. Um, whether he just has a bit of an issue with getting across the line. And saying that we've seen players like Will Zalatoris suffer through the same things and then um and then manage to get the win eventually. So I mean, it is a soft field, and he, and he is a class above the the price that they've kind of given him. If he was nine thousand five hundred, I wouldn't be um disturbed whatsoever, given what he's been able to do on the DP go to for sure
0: with my second pick i'm gonna go with the guy who ended up being the number one player in my model and i will admittedly say my model i put less stock in i don't put that much into it but i just think it, it makes sense here and that's Emiliano miliano um again a similar kind of thought process with stallings right he, he finished the season on a heater and the biggest kind of question mark with grill is typically can he make putts which is going to need to be the factor here this week I'm banking on the fact that that putter came alive you at the end of the season last year where he really started to make putts. And if he can carry over, I mean, he gained strokes putting in his last six tournaments. So if he can do that again, coming here, I think he's going to play great, but that's going to be the deciding factor. He's got to make putts this week for him to compete.
2: Yep. Yep. I mean, look, I, I had, I had Greer last week. So in typical fashion here, he's bound to play well this week. Um, what, what I saw from him last week, you know, it wasn't exactly the results that we wanted. Um, you know, finishing 25th, you know, he was kind of there and thereabouts without really doing anything. Um, but there also wasn't enough to kind of disturb me and, and put, me, put me off him completely. And I think that we can kind of sometimes, like, get into that kind of, like, I guess, like, psychological analysis of... Of how we take these golfers. And then if they don't win for us that week, we kind of just go searching elsewhere. When it's like, actually, the script really hasn't changed that much. You know, he's he he has absolutely found something with his putter, which has typically been his problem. Um, his approach play can be absolutely elite. Um, and, you know, I think I really like him in this tournament as well. So, I mean, I think good, good play to go back to him. He was popular last week. So hopefully some other people fade him and you get some ownership leverage there too. And um, with think- my, I'm oh, sorry, you go, mate.
1: No, I was just gonna say a bunch of nonsense about that, but I uh, we now know that Grio is at least paying attention to golf Twitter betting. I saw that he retweeted uh, Model Maniacs post about him, so uh, he knows people are betting on him. So take that for what it's worth.
2: Yeah, my hey, maybe it makes him take it more seriously. You know, maybe he's like actually, yeah, I've got to take these. Uh, you know, let's face it, Sandersons is. Um, is a weaker field than even the it was. Um, so you know, it's these guys need to have some sort of motivation to get up for for this event. You know, and, you know, maybe it's Model Maniac. Maybe he's the motivator. Maybe he's the the secret source this week. Who knows? So, um, yeah, look, I I, I do like the play, and you can you can maybe even play a prison cup angle. If like you know, he's just watched that event. You know, he probably has ambitions of getting into that, and there's there's some windows and opportunities there now. So, could put some fire in him. For me, I'm kind of go, going to go down that route um, a little bit in terms of that narrative. Uh, I, I like Dietrich for that narrative as well, of like Ryder Cup spots are coming up. And we've just seen Guido, um, Megliosi and Rob McIntyre, who are kind of in the Europe window um, play well. And kind of in that President's Cup narrative of a player who I think has the talent to do it if they eventually get there um, would be Dean Burmester. And so I'm happy to take him at 7,600. My, my reasoning for that is on he, he's extremely long off the tee. He can also putt extremely well. What, what I do like as well is that he's played very well on these um, courses with large green complexes. We've also got Zoysa um, rough around these um, greens as well. That's typically seen in South Africa very heavily. They do use it a lot, so um, you're you've got kind of like a different grasp to a lot of other tournaments um, being played this week. And I think um, that um, South African kind of um, agronomy may actually benefit him here this week as well.
1: Yeah, I, I love that play. I think Burmester, like in an ideal world, I was going to start my lineup, Burns, Montgomery, Burmester. So um, I really like the start of your
0: lineup and I'm kind of scrambling now trying to figure out what to do. Well, good. Spence, while you scramble, I'd like to welcome Sia to the chat. He didn't leave us high and dry. He came in. He's contributing to the pick. So, Sia, thanks for joining us tonight. Coach, I see you're in here. Yvonne, Brian, appreciate all you guys tuning in for the night. Uh, But, Spence, unfortunately, you are still on the clock, and we're going to need two picks. Well, I don't know
1: what kind of salary this leaves me, but – I will start. <laughs> this may be the first time on the show's history that I end up with negative money at some point. So uh, I'm going to take JT Poston as another chalky guy near the top, but he was the first outright bet that I took um, this week at 27 to one that, when that was released on FanDuel, I have seen that number drifting in the wrong direction in the market, but my model thought he had the second best win equity of anybody in this field. We have two top 11 finishes from him at this course over the past three years uh he's number four for me in my model when i looked at putting plus par five so that took bermuda putting equally weighted with part five scoring the only players that were higher there were sam burns and uh it might have been burmeister but uh that's also from a very small sample size with him so i will take him with my first choice um Leaves me at 7,200. You guys want to give a very quick opinion on that, and then I'll uh, I'll come up with the third play?
0: I mean, yeah, I think JC, JC Poston is another one who just came on strong at the end of the year. Um, in terms of his field and what we've seen from him recently, he's probably in that handful of the one of the best five guys not named Sam Burns in this tournament. Uh, I think where it starts to get tricky here is he's obviously one of the better talents. Is he as much of a better talent as he is his price over the rest of the field? That's what I'm not sure about, but he's definitely someone that I think can compete this week. I think that's fair.
1: All right. Uh, let, let me put this in. I'll, I'll show the play to everybody if I don't end up doing it and see how much money I have left. Um, all right. I guess I will take Seamus power at 8,400, and this is going to be a mad scramble at the bottom now. So, The thing with Sheamus is, and there's a couple ways to look at this, and I I have two very popular plays at the top. I now need to try to find a way to create some leverage in my lineup. Sheamus is one of the two players, $8,000 or above, that is going to be less than 5% owned according to my projections. And he's 25th for me overall, which is technically, I guess, a negative EV play if you want to look at it like that. But he's number five for upside. And really where the downside comes in is that 68th place safety rating. But I'm willing to take a chance that like what we've seen from him lately is a fluke. The high-end metrics I have on him are super pristine. He's number one at strokes gain total on easy scoring courses. He's number one on my recalculated par-4 scoring. He's number one when I look at short par-4s plus par-5 birdie or better percentage. There is volatility here. But at least if I'm going to take volatility, I'm taking it with a player that I think actually has win equity in this tournament and is going to be less than 5% owned. And that's like the GPP chances I like to take is when I can get these High upside, uh, very, you know, minimally owned guys like Seamus Power. So 8400 and as I said, uh, it does create a bit of a scramble at the bottom now, but uh, hopefully I can
0: figure that out. I I think that's a really good pick. I mean, if you look at the long-term stats of Seamus Power, if he had just played a little bit better recently, he could have been in that 10K range. I mean, in terms of the type of caliber golfer he is in this field, uh, I think his price was low because he just recently has been a little bit of slump, but he's had some time off. He probably had some time to regroup and regather. I think he's a real sneaky pick there. Go ahead, David. You are on the clock.
2: All right. Um, I've, I've heard very little about Seamus Power this week, which I think is actually a good thing if you're looking to get different. I think that's probably an indication of, you know, usually Twitter's lighting up with um, certain names. Um I'm I'm kind of tempted now just because Vince has put himself in the spot to just like go and start like taking guys in that like upper six k range that I know that he likes and
1: just, just kind of you've already burned me twice cool. with two of your picks. Let's just I make have, it all yeah. six at this point.
2: Um so I, I'm I'm gonna go for Austin Smotherman. I'm gonna take him at um 6800. Um, I do genuinely like Smotherman this week. Gained um, gained a ton of strokes um, on approach last week. Gained for distance in driving accuracy last week. Um, gained a ton of putts um, as well. Look, I, I think that he's got the ability to spike, and um, for six eight hundred for the price that I'm I'm paying for him, I think that there's um, a heap of upside there. And if he finished within the top ten, I wouldn't be um, surprised whatsoever. You know, end of end of last season. He was obviously struggling to keep his card and just managed to kind of squeak in there. That's often a motivator for these players. of like They go like, oh, holy cow, that was close. You know, I don't want to leave until the last minute next time. And they can come out and start this new season really hot. So um, I'm kind of expecting that from Smotherman. We saw a great performance from last week, unfortunately, and, and I'm hoping that continues going into this week.
1: I always like Smotherman. I think the ball striking from him is very elite.
0: I agree. I, I like that pick as well. Um, all right, for me here, I'm going to go with a guy who I was really high on last year, uh, and I'm just trying to ride a lot of that momentum into this week. I'm going to go with Trey Mullinex. Trey Mullinex, the guy who I think you know should be a good course fit. He should be able to bomb some of these shots out there with these guys. Again, another one where I'm rolling a little bit of the dice with the putter. I'm, I'm going to need Trey to find the putter this week and drain some pots. But if he's able to do so, I think he can compete to win this tournament. So at 8,300, I think I'm getting a good value here. Now, audience, you are back on the clock. You have two picks again. Um, Brian was nice enough to leave you guys with a nomination on his way out. So, Svensson was the first nomination. Uh, We're going to need two more. we got to move quick. So, we might not even do doubles, right? I hope you guys get your speed and quicks in, but if we only have one nomination, then that's going to be your pick. It looks like there are three nominations out there between Svensson, Haley, and Hubbard. Uh, the first one to get doubled or the first two to get doubled will be your picks. Go ahead and lock it in. Mark Hubbard with the first pick. And we're going to go ahead and and lock in Svensson as well. Uh, So, you know, overall, I think those are two solid picks. I think, uh, you know, in terms of value plays that are concerned, I think those are our our plays guys I will target in the 7K range.
1: I have an outright ticket on Mark Hubbard. I, I think there's some volatility for the ownership uh, that you're paying here, but he's certainly somebody that I'm going to put into my player pool or at least try to get exposure to in some way this week.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a solid play. Now, uh, with my next pick here, I'm going to go with a guy who I think is kind of in the same family, I guess, for how why I'm picking him, as Seamus Power. If you look at long term, this could be the best golfer in the field. What we've seen recently is not so much, so I'm hoping that he's gotten healthy and he's ready to rock this season, and that's Harris English. Um, Harris, oh, so I saw you, David. I said there must be someone else who's hurt that you're looking at. It. it wasn't Harris English, but I'm gonna go with Harris English. I know Harris English when healthy, would be probably the best golfer in the of him or Burns. Uh, he was obviously hurt a lot last year. He started playing, I think, a little bit better toward the end of the year. If the putter looked there. I think if the ball striking comes around, then he feels good. Uh, I feel like he's someone that might be getting overlooked, and, I guess. And I, I get it, people want to wait to see that he's healthy, but uh, now it might be a good ch- chance, a good time to take a chance on that. My model
1: likes him. I'm a little bit concerned just with the proximity numbers in general. The irons go or irons are going to have to turn around uh, for me to feel confident to play him like like I'll give you where his weighted proximity is for me. So he is um, 117th and that's to mimic towards this course. And You know, he's all over the place with the Irons right now. Once that part of his game turns around, I think we start getting more of those like classic Harris English finishes that we had seen for the last two years. And maybe it starts now. He looked good, or at least, I mean, relatively decent in his last starting. He had a good finish at least.
0: Roll the dice somewhere. I think of all weeks for me, this is a week to roll the dice, right? Find some guys that you think are talent. It's not a super loaded field. So uh, someone who has a good week can rise to the top. Yeah. All right, David, you are on the clock.
2: Right. The, the reason for my reaction is that I thought that you were about to take this, uh, this golfer. He was also someone who um, last season started off really hot and then began to fade and, and had some injury concerns. But I think is again, um, got a ton of upside. And I think that for the price that we're getting him has that kind of elite level performance in him, which is Gary Woodland at 8,100. Um, love the distance off the tee. I love what he did last week on approach. So gained over four strokes approach Um last week at the Fortinet, which is his most gain-on approach since the Texas Open April last year. So, I mean, he's come in after that offseason. season obviously needed a bit of a break. You know, his body was starting to break down a little bit, um, but he's come out and he's striking the ball extremely well. So I think he's got just a heap of upside. Um, obviously, we know that that he's um, he's got that elite-level game in him, so um, happy to take him there at 8100.
1: Yeah, I I noted in one of my articles this week that Woodland had gained in all the critical strokes gain metrics over his last three tournaments. He just hasn't done two of them, uh, or more than two of them at the same time. So if at any point he can complete like the full picture of what he's trying to do, I do think Woodland has potential. I do believe this is a good course fit for him. Uh, So I kind of like him as a shot in the dark, hope that he's turning it around at 8100. But uh, I will move us into the next play. And this is a golfer I really like this week. It's another spot that I can get different. It's going to be Vincent Whaley at 6,600. He's probably my favorite value play on the board. I have a top 40 ticket at, on him at, I believe, plus 360. He's the number two player in my model when looking at putting plus par five, birdie or better percentage. Uh, He's ninth in overall birdie or better percentage. And he's eighth in those short par fours plus par five birdie or better percentage ranges. I know the course history here hasn't exactly been what you would be hoping to see. And the form that he's bringing in is three straight missed cuts. But that's one of the reasons why the ownership's down. It's why we get the $6,600 price tag. And he has made three cuts in a row at this tournament. Even if we're talking about a 65th, 64th, and 45th place finish. I just think that there's a little bit more upside there that might meet the eye. And at this point, I probably just have issues with taking this guy almost every single time that I have an opportunity to. I'm going to take Patrick Rogers at 7100. So back-to-back miss cuts at this tournament, back-to-back miss cuts on tour. Uh, I did diminish some of the driving distance and, and you know some of that that was coming into play. But uh, my model likes him as a very slight value, and sharper markets out there really love him. And I'm not going to miss a Patrick Rogers week.
0: I love it. I, I know you love yourself some Patrick Rogers. Um, you've proven that over the amount of times you drafted him. I would I would love to see where he falls in your most drafted players because it's got to be top five. He's got he's up there. Um, but no, overall, I think those are two solid solid picks.
1: Yeah, I would think him and Doug Gim, and I've gotten off of the Doug Gim train lately, so it might be Patrick (laughs) Rogers with just, I mean, I am persistent, if nothing else. Like, he misses every cut for me, and I'm back the next week ready to roll again. Loyalty. Well, we know that with me and the players that I back.
0: (laughs) All right, David, you are on the clock.
2: Yeah, and I and I can relate to that. I think anyone who's in the uh, in this game has uh, gone on the dog the tug game train at various points in their uh, in their tipping career because um, he just always profiles out so well for approach and then just can never make you a putt. And yeah, the most frustrating golfer because you just know one day he's just going to do it and just pop for one week and finish first because that's that's kind of the upside that we see with him. Um, I love both those picks. I actually really like Vince Whaley as a, um, as a value play as well. I think that, um, as you said, he's made three consecutive cuts here. So, you know, in the context of the general form that he was bringing in um, and the standard he was playing at there, yeah, that's actually, you know, pretty decent um, incoming form for him. Um, for me, I've got a ton of money left and there's, you know, a couple of ways i play this. I could leave a, a bunch of... Um, Money on the table, um, but I'm I'm going to take um, Figala I'm going to go right up to the the top of the board. Um, for me, I just want to illustrate, I guess, the way that you can kind of build this. If you're getting different to Burns and ownership, I think gala is um, got huge upside. He's got um, some. He's got great record here. Obviously, last year is he eighth. And he's coming here for a, a six at the Fortinet. You know, I know that he can be a bit volatile. I'm happy to kind of embrace that volatility. Um, but you know, he's got great incoming form. Great history here, um, and if I am getting a you know a fraction of the ownership of what Sam Boone's is going to be, I am quite happy to um, differentiate myself at the top of the board there.
1: I like the goal a little bit for one and done contests. Also, if you are trying to
0: get unique, that might be another interesting way to play him.
2: That's true.
0: Yeah, I like that. Like I think again, the talent's there. Certainly, one of the better plays players in the field for this week. Um, for me, I am going to go with uh, with my next pick. I am going to go with Luke List. Uh, I need to go a little bit of value here. I'm, I'm looking for the profile of a bomber. I, I guess I didn't do this on purpose. I didn't plan it, but I guess there's a trend that I'm seeing where I'm not necessarily targeting great putters. I'm going to pray for the putters. Obviously, that's what we're going to have to do here. But we have seen Luke List is a guy that's capable of getting a hot putter from week to week. It's not consistent, but he does find it some weeks. And so I guess that's what I'm banking on with, with Luke List here this week. He's gotten a second and a seventeenth here before. He also has a few missed cuts, but he's shown when he's playing well, he can do really well on this course. So at seventy two three hundred, I, I like my my value play there. Yeah,
1: markets like him also.
0: All right,
2: and I and I picked uh, Luke List last week, and he decided to become captain of team No No part alongside Brendan Steele again. Um, so I mean, standard um, standard performance will be that he comes out and finishes top five this week. So it's a great play.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Audience, you are on the clock. Ivan, we appreciate you. Henley is the first nomination. We're going to go ahead and lock him in for you guys. Um, and you have one more pick. what? How much salary remains once Henley's in the lineup? You have 9,100. So you have the top of a board. If I'm looking up here at 9,100, you know, the best options available. Davis Riley, who you guys know I will go back to as many times as I have to. Seb Straka, Adam Hadwin, and there's a few options in play here. Even Taylor Moore at 8,500. So there's a few guys that there are some decent options in this in this range for you. We are going to need a nomination, or uh, we're going to have to pick, and we'll basically go off the the golfer that basically uh, makes the most sense for your salary. Uh, But we will give you maybe a few more seconds to get your final nomination in before we have to round out your roster for you, audience. I love you guys. I've missed you, but this is a pathetic showing. We need some <laughs> combinations, and we need them quicker. You guys have been way better. All right, Mark, I appreciate it. You're on Straka. Uh I think Straka's a good pick. I mean, listen, he played really well to end the year. Um, I think there's like I think you said there's a lot of reasons to like Straka there. He's been doubled. So Straka's the pick. Um, we've seen Straka has upside. I mean, he can get hot, he can really play well in a tournament. Um, I like what you guys did there with your final pick. Yeah, I, I don't dislike it either.
1: I, I, If I'm directly choosing between the choices, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say. I was going to say I like Davis Riley more, but I hate what's happening with the Davis Riley ownership. That has gone out of control at this point. And it's not like we necessarily have a guy who's super safe in him. Now, my metrics did have him as the only player in this field that was top 40 in every single category that I looked at, but... I think Straka's upside's interesting. I think Hadwin maybe has a little bit more upside here than you would normally expect. But any of those three choices, I mean, I could buy into any of them.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, And I agree with the sentiment. I think I prefer Riley as well. But if it's a big ownership play, it's not a big enough margin where for ownership, I'd go to Straka if that is the case. And it looks like Coach really, really wanted Haley. So, Coach, we apologize that you didn't get him. In fairness, Coach, there was a delay in getting a nomination. You could have nominated him earlier. I probably would have given it to you. You took a little too long. Um, We'll see how it brings up. Come back next week, Coach. If you were right, we will remind everyone that you tried to take him and and it didn't come out. But if you're wrong, we'll remind you. You, you, Good thing you didn't get him. You're lucky you missed. So come back next week. Let's check the results. While we're there, feel free to smash the like button. Give us a follow on YouTube. Um, It definitely goes a long way. To round out my draft, I'm going to go with uh, Callum Tarrant. Callum Tarrant is a guy who, you know, listen, it's my last pick. It's, it's a value play. Uh, but he's a guy who should be a course fit. He can bomb it out there. He came on strong at the end of last year. I liked his current his form. I think he's a guy that, you know, as unfortunately due to live, the fields are getting a little weaker. I think that's going to benefit guys like him. I think he might be a guy you might see a little bit more often this year. Popping in some of these tournaments, so I'm going to start with this here at the Sanderson, and, and I'm going to stick with him at, at 6,900.
1: I like Taryn. I like his distance that he brings for a course like this.
0: For
2: sure. Yep, no qualms for me. I, I like him as well. Um, I'm going to I'm going to get a little bit different. I mean, look, I've got a, a blindingly obvious pick with what i've got left i got 7500 and um anyone who's in the wind daily chat will know that there's a golfer at 7500 that basically four um of the experts have tipped and and that seems blindingly obvious but i do want to get a little bit different here and just throw out a name that nobody's going to be talking about and just um speak to him a little bit so i'm going to take um Um, So, Matty Schmidt's been um, been playing on the DP World Tour mainly, Um, so he's a a German golfer. This guy had like an absolutely sterling amateur career, ton of wins, just consistently in the top 10 throughout his college career, so um, even though he's German, he's very well acquainted with playing over in the US. what I like about him is he's got plenty of distance off the tee. His weakest element of his game is is around the greens. Now, when we're looking at these green complexes that are like sixty, two hundred, sixty five hundred kind of square foot, you know, if he's missing greens, we, we're kind of going to assume he's going to be out of contention anyway because he's just yeah he's just. You know, if you're missing those, these bigger problems to, to worry about other than his his chipping game. Um, he can be absolutely elite with his approach. When we're looking at last year in terms of some of his results, you know, third at the Stain City um championship. That was a, a performance on um, huge greens as well. Um, Dean Bermister was very strong in that event as well. So I, I, if I was looking for like a lean in terms of like a DP World Tour kind of course fit, that kind of fits that profile here. Um, he had an eighth on the Barbasol, which was his, um, one of his two PGA, champ, uh, PGA Tour events that he played in last year as well. Um, and he's just come off a, a great week where he was gaining just a ton of shots off the tee, um, over four strokes gained off the tee, graining for distance, um, and gaining for accuracy on the field as well. So I see really big upside with this guy. Um, he's got a huge career ahead of him. You know, he's only 24, and with a player like that, I'm happy to take a risk on a young golfer, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and sorry, coach, to compare him to someone like Haley, who, like, kind of is, you know, it's like he's he's gone through this this long period of being on the Corn Fury tour and never really made it. It's like if he was going to make it, he kind of would have done it by now. Whereas I've got this young kid who's 24, who's had an amazing amateur career and this is his first shot at the big time. Um, I'd rather take that risk on the young talent coming through um, personally. And, and so Manny Schmidt's a name that you won't be hearing much. I'm sure his ownership's super low as well.
1: Yeah, I know I keep kind of pointing out the same thing over and over again, but uh, Schmidt is a player that a lot of people seem to respect this week. I I think that that's noteworthy.
0: I love it. I love it. It's it's a good, nice sneaky play there. I should come with some, I would think moderate ownership. Um, All right, Spencer, how are you wrapping us up tonight?
1: So there's three players for me, the two that I'm not going to take. And I just want to mention them. Mackenzie Hughes. um, I really like Hughes this week. I think he can provide some value. Rory Sabatini on Donald uh, on these types of courses has been really good. Um, historically but i am going to go with a golfer that i have to be honest my model doesn't know a bunch about him i don't have a lot of stats i watch videos of him he was on the driving range he's hitting the ball backwards he's finishing with one hand through his follow swing uh follow through swing with it um the one thing i'm going to say to that is there's a round one matchup where carl yuan is plus 100 against taylor montgomery if they're putting him in a matchup against Taylor Montgomery and he is not a massive underdog, I am going to trust what some of these markets are saying. I'm going to take a shot on a player that I don't think a lot of people have a a bunch of good statistical data on. And I've seen him as low as 55 to one to win this tournament at some of the sharper books in the space. And uh, I wasn't able to get there just because if I'm being honest, I don't have enough data on him where I felt comfortable, but from a DFS play at 6,900, I think that there's potential here
0: i love it i love it that is a wrap for the draft don't forget to follow us on twitter let us know what team you think is going to win who has the best team um we're gonna follow along all week we'll report back next week but we'd like to hear your opinion on it first uh and who you're voting for for the win comment on twitter as we post our lineups, and don't forget to hit the smash the like button and give us a follow as well but we're not done yet. Before we go home tonight, we have our outright winners and first round leaders. And hold on, wait for it. There we go. Um, we're going to bring those to you now. We'll start off in the outright market. How about you, Spence? Who do you like in the outright market?
1: I took JT Poston at 27 to 1, Davis Riley 45 to 1, Dean Burmeister, 65 to 1. Seamus Power, 65 to 1. Mark Hubbard, 110 to 1. Rory Sabatini, 150 to 1. I mean, I guess you could make an argument that he technically should have been my pick based off of that. And then Vincent
0: Whaley, 250 to 1 this week. I love it. I love it. Who are you looking at in the outright market, David? David.
2: Uh, look, I've got a couple of names. Given uh, given what's happened with the bookmaker with me today, I'm not going to give you everything out. I'm going to going to save, some. I'm going to hold something back for uh, the win daily chat because you know we've got subscribers in here who you know five ninety nine a week. By the way, at the moment on promotion with with one month free for all sports, including the NFL, is amazing value. So make sure you check out um, my Twitter handle if you want to take um, advantage of that. Um, look, I'll, I'll give a couple of names. I, I'm on Burmester as well. Um, that's that's a number that's definitely in there for me. I really like Alex Smalley. That's on my radar as well. Um, and Gary Woodland um, as well is on my radar. But um, I, I'll, I'll say that my my one and only... Um, well, my first, sorry, my first click of the week was Matty Schmidt um, because I got him at 150 to 1. And for me, that's just such huge value for for someone that I'm pricing and my models at about 110 to 1 is fair odds. So um, I think he's got a ton of upside and the 150 to 1 um, is great value. I
0: love it. I love it. For me in the outright market, my, my long shot is going to be the guy I drafted, Luke Glass, at 80 to 1. Second before, I think he's the type of guy who has enough upside where with a hot putter, he can win a tournament like this. So uh, it's an upside play. I think I like him probably more so in the outright market, even than as a DFS play. I also, in my more uh, realistic higher odds um, tickets, I like Trey Molinax at 40 to one and Davis Riley at 35 to one. Now, before we're done, we will give you our first round leaders. Uh, See if you're still here. Feel free to drop them in the chat because we know yours have been hot as anyone. But we'll start with you, David. Who do you like in the first round leader market?
2: Yeah, so um, I like Vince Whaley. Vince Whaley, I'm getting at 125 to 1. Um, I think that's great value. Matty Schmidt, again, I'm getting 110 to 1 on that number, so I really like that. Matthew Naismith showing that he's got upside and um, at 90 to 1. That's a good number as well. Um, Dylan Fratelli at 90 to 1, I think, has got upside. Um, and Steven Yeager at 80 to 1 as well has got some, um, some benefit to him too. I
0: love it. I love it. How about you, Spence? Who are you looking at for the first-round leaders?
1: I'm going to follow suit with what David said a little bit, just shifted over to the first round leader market. So Alex Smalley, 75 to one, Gary Woodland, 65 to one. Those are two players I'm trying to gain exposure to. I also have Vincent Whaley at 125 to one. I took Joel Damon, 130 to one, Seamus Power, 55 to one, Dean Burmeester, 65 to one. And then I took Rory Sabatini at 110 to one. I do want to note he's the only afternoon guy of the group. Uh, but I
0: thought 110 to one was too good of a number for me to pre- pass up. I think, I think that's fair. I love those plays. Um, for me, I'm I'm going a little funky this week. I'm going with a real hair, Mary. I'm really shooting for the stars. Um, I'll be honest with you. The guy who I'm going to take has been poor recently, pretty bad actually, but he's a way better golfer than what he's shown recently. Maybe if he puts it together this week, they just to get two hundred fifty to one for just winning one round for this guy seems way too big, and that's Garrick Higo. Garrick is a guy we saw, you know, shine. He won a few tournaments last year. Uh, I mean, he's been pretty bad recently. He's not in great form, but to get two hundred fifty to one for him to have one really good day, I'll take those eyes. I think that's a really big number. So I'm gonna balloon that one for my one first round leader bet this week. That's a wrap. We got it. We got it into you guys in uh, about forty five minutes. Uh, Take a look back. Look at the course breakdown. Look at the draft. You have your picks for the week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter when we post the lineups. Let us know whose lineup you think is going to win. Um, With all that being said, we'll tune in next week. We'll recap how we did, and we'll make some more money. Good luck. Oh, did I forget anything? Sports.